Welcome to the show after the show. My name is Amadeus. With me is Eden Kendall. We are your hometown morning show on 99.9 Gator Country in Jacksonville, Florida. But wherever you're listening in the world, hello. Hello. We have something on our Gator Country Facebook page today that we want to address, and we will very shortly. It's a question about home cooking. We'll, we'll get to it. But first, let's talk a little bit about the weekend. Mm-hmm. I'm still recovering from the week before last, um, just feeling stiff and a little bit sore, but from when the Boston Marathon. When yeah. you ran the Boston, you, you yeah. buried the headline. You ran the Boston <laughs> Marathon. So I'm still recovering from that uh, because I was injured. But you asked me to give you a recap. I don't really have a recap yet. Okay. I'm moving better. I'm so moving you're better. still in recovery mode because still you mo- were yeah. injured a little bit going into it. So mm-hmm. you're just taking a little break, which is smart. But I, I would like to spend a minute before we get into these country cooking meals here, talking about what you went and saw in the movie theater this weekend, which I didn't even know was playing on the big screen. Yeah, for the 40th anniversary of Flashdance, it, it was playing in the in the, uh, in the theater this weekend. I've never seen that movie before. Of course, I felt like I knew all about it from the music of alone. Of course. But, uh, but then you have to go and see it. So I went and saw it, and... I. I, I couldn't write this full review on Facebook because it's just too much, but I wanted to to just say, like, if I had grown up with this movie, it would be, like, sacred ground, and I would want no one critiquing it. Just like I know I could look at Star Wars, the original from 1977, and pick it apart. I mean, it's an old movie. It was one of Lucas's first films. There's a ton of things wrong with it. But it's, it's hallowed ground, right? Mm-hmm. But having seen Flashdance for the first time as an adult— and as an experienced moviegoer, I was watching this thing going, man, this thing's got a lot of problems. <laughs> it's problematic. Yeah. Now, I don't know how detailed you remember it. but the fir- I mean, I don't. The but- first time Alex and her boss kiss was during the scene, and I didn't know this was an iconic scene, when she takes her bra off yeah. underneath her sweatshirt mm-hmm. while they're just sitting in her living room. I think they had gone on their first date, and they brought pizza back. And so she's kind of nonchalantly just taking her bra off, and he's like, holy shnikes, what's about to happen? And I just felt like that scene, there wasn't enough sexual tension built in that scene. And then she says, like, do you want pizza? And then it's a separate shot of her standing and him standing. And the next shot, they're like nose to nose, and, and they start to kiss. And it seemed anticlimactic to me. Like, that wasn't enough buildup for this kiss. But then later in the movie... She's telling him some story about how she wants to be a dancer, and she's crying, and they're like in a, this warehouse or something, and he goes like to to move the the tear from her cheek, and I'm like, this is the moment. Like, why didn't they why didn't they build up the tension to this moment? This should be the first kiss. And then throughout the movie, they really played her up as it went further into the movie as her being very sexual. She like played with him in the restaurant with her foot yeah. in his crotch, and then like there was these other scenes where like. It was really sexual, but in the beginning of the movie, she seemed almost like a prude, like she was dancing as a stripper but didn't want to be, and I, I just felt like the dynamic was really off, and I kept thinking, man, if somebody were to remake this film and really develop these characters almost in a pretty uh, pretty woman way, where he wants her, but he's her boss, and he's reluctant instead of him chasing her, and her being like all sexual, like I want him, but having that tension a little longer, I felt like there was a lot of potential there. So you way deep, went way deeper than I ever would have. To me, and I, like I said, I haven't seen it in entirety in years and years, but there are a lot of really silly parts to it. It was like the movie that I went to the theater to see multiple times. I absolutely loved it at the time. Definitely had my 
shoulders bared under my mm-hmm. sweatshirts, all that kind of stuff. But to me, like, what exactly kind of dancers were they? Were they strippers or not? Because they never took their clothes off. Well, here's another. But you had all these guys there drooling over them, like at a bar, to see them do these elaborate scenes. Yeah, this is another thing about the movie was they stripped in a, or they danced in a bar that didn't have nudity, but across the town. There was a bar that had all nude, and the, remember the owner of that club would come and try to recruit yeah. girls, and one of them was, I think, the ice skating right. uh, best friend. And so that was another thing, that there was this great dynamic that they didn't really get to explore, mm-hmm. that again, I think if there was a remake, maybe even set in the 80s, you can keep it like set in the time in the time period, but um, yeah, that was another dynamic. And then there was this other great, great character who was the cook in the in the strip club where, or the dance club, I guess it should be called, where Alex worked. Who wanted to be a comedian? Yeah, and he was always testing these jokes that were horrible, you know. But he was a great character that I felt like they didn't really flesh out. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just had some. It had a lot of potential. And again, if I was seeing it for the first time at eighteen in the eighties, like I probably would be like, "This is the greatest thing ever." Mm-hmm. But looking back as it at it as an adult, I'm like, eh, "This is not that yeah. good." I mean, it just to me, I never fully wrapped my brain around what their job was as the dancers. Like, were they? Was that like an art form because they were all really good yeah and they had elaborate costumes and sets and the water dumping thing and that's kind of a big thing but at the same time it it looked like it was just a nudie bar it was like almost like a shadow dancing dance club versus the nude bar where they finally did show a scene in the nude bar and i was surprised to see so much nudity for an 80s movie a lot of t and a but um yeah Yeah, it was was weird. weird it was very very weird all right, so we're, we're caught up on that. But now, uh, real quick, if anyone out there wants to remake this movie, please let me be a consultant because I have some great ideas. Oh, you have notes. Yeah, I took notes. <laughs> okay, so today over on our Gator Country Facebook page, we asked everybody, pretty cut and dry question. It wasn't like we didn't want to get into like, you know, is, your, is Nana still alive or, you know, maybe your Nana. It was just pretty cut and dry if you could have your grandma cook anything for you right now, what would it be? On the radio, we asked for you to read some of these as your pop, your mama Deus's husband, mm-hmm. who you lovingly call pop. So would you read a few of those for oh, us sure. right now? Let me pull those up. I was not ready. The, oh, really? I'll be quite honest. But I, while I'm pulling them up, I'll tell you about my, I had two grandmothers. I had the country grandma and the, and the, and the town grandma. So, uh, my country grandma was like, you know, the Paula Dean. She was in the kitchen from four in the morning till four in the morning. Like she was cooking nonstop. She had six kids, 15 grandkids. Her husband was a farmer. My papa was a farmer. So she was up at four cooking breakfast. By the time everyone was out of the house, she's cooking lunch. Everyone comes back. By the time they're gone, she's making dinner. And then after that, I mean, it was nonstop. So she was one of those cooks that was just always, always in the kitchen. And when I was a little kid, she made cream corn. You've had cream corn before, right? I have. She made it in the cast iron skillet. Have you ever had that? No, I don't think so. It's unbelievable. And then I, she also made great cornbread. You know, a lot of cornbread is, is made in a cast iron skillet and it's thick. But she would make the kind you would pour like in a, in a frying pan and it would bubble up. Do you know what I'm talking about? I think it's called lace pan, uh, no. lace cornbread because it gets these bubbles around it. Oh. So I would take the lace cornbread and I would spread it with cream corn. And I think as a kid, I thought it was called cornbread because you put corn on it. And she always got a laugh out of that. I, she thought that was like the funniest thing. So that was one of my fa- If I could go back and have some of my grandmama's cream corn and lace cornbread, that's where I would go. All right. So Pop, let me see uh, some of these things here. All right. Here's Pop. Um, 
Give me some of that fried chicken with mashed potatoes and milk gravy. Also some biscuits and gravy. <laughs> like he's got that very like yeah, deep just very, like. Yeah, what about what about sour cream pound cake? That oh, sounds like a man. good good country recipe. You've never had sour cream what what what? You've Listen, had... I'm a city girl. I grew up in South Florida, right? Yeah. My grandmothers one lived in the suburbs in New York and the other one lived in Manhattan, New York oh, City my her gosh. entire life. The thing that she used to be great at was potato salad. She had a really good potato salad and a split pea soup that was Ooh, excellent. That, that was my good. city grandma. My other grandmother really wasn't much of a great cook, and everything she made was kind of bland, if I'm being honest. I got to say, uh, you know, this is going to sound very uh, un-PC, but my city, my city grandmother had uh, a, a cook in the house who did all of her cooking, and she was amazing. But my grandmother, I don't think I ever saw her cook, to be honest. It was one of those things. Okay, but I thought a sour cream pound cake would be something you could find, like, in a deli. Maybe. Like, like you didn't, do you guys, like, go down to the deli in New yeah, York? Yeah, but and, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't think don't... that's necessarily a country thing is what I'm saying. Oh. I, I could be wrong. I don't know, but I mean, drop biscuits are a country thing. I never heard of those. Drop biscuits, and again, I think we talked about this on the radio. There's two different uh, things that I know of as drop biscuits. One is you make the dumpling dough, and instead of rolling it out and slicing the dumplings, you just drop that biscuit mix into the boiling chicken broth to make what I called lumpy, dump, lumpy dumplings. Lumpy dumplings. Or instead of rolling it out and using the round, uh, uh, what do you call it, biscuit maker, to make the biscuits, you just pile that. You pile it up on a cookie sheet and make your 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 biscuits. Like just pinch it and drop yeah, it. Yeah, and they kind of look like a mountaintop or like the top of a glacier when they're, when they're done. How about this one, rhubarb pie? Uh, rhubarb pie. Yeah. What's that? It's it's. I think sometimes they put strawberries in with it, or it's the same thing as with strawberries. But it's just a pie that's that's got that 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 look and flavor, kind of a strawberry. Pickled beets. Yeah, of course you've had pickled beets, right? Yes. Yeah. Fried taters. <laughs> That's got to be just French fries, right? Yeah, well, or home fries, and I'd love me some fried or taters. Hash, any kind of fried taters. Any I love kind of too. fried taters, but I'm sure grandma had a specific kind she always made. My grandmother did do that too, my city grandma. She would make fried potatoes and just cut up the potatoes and the onions and just fry them mm. up in butter, and it took forever. There's something else on this list that I haven't had. I don't think I haven't had since I was, I mean, like single-digit young. Pineapple upside-down cake. Oh, that sounds good. You've had that before, right? Is that where the pineapple is on the bottom, but when you turn it over, yeah. it's all on the top? You make it in a bunt, a bunt pan. A bunt. A bunt, bunt. pan. And the, yeah, oh my gosh, that is so good. Did you, got, did you grow up on chicken livers and gizzards? <laughs> no, but we had... We would have like chicken liver spread because that Ugh, was like chiv- like, yeah, a like, a, like a pate. Uh-uh. No, you got to have fried fried livers and gizzards. That is I the had best. them later in life, not the gizzards. I don't think I could do gizzards, but the livers I had at Famous Amos. Yeah. Here in town, I used to. There was a there was a, a coworker of mine years and years ago that used to like to go there, and um, she. The joke was that she only wanted things on her plate that were like either light beige or white. So she would have like. <laughs> I don't know what all the different things were, but it was all the fried stuff and right. the, the livers and the. You know what's funny? My mom, and... being being like a Paula Dean, you know, she used to fry everything. Like all of our vegetables were fried. You know, we had fried zucchini and fried squash and fried broccoli. And now my mom, over the last, I would say, ten years, has really shied away from fried food. She bakes everything now, so like our vegetables are baked on a cookie sheet. And but you know, do they have a batter on them? 
Uh, no, no, oh, she's okay. you know even gotten away from that, I, and I'm I know it's for health reasons, um, so that's a good thing. But I do miss those like a plate full of brown food. Mm-hmm. There's three uh, answers on our Facebook page that I thought really stood out because everything we're talking about for the most part is southern foods. One of the answers was enchiladas. So, okay, so, so we know that that grandma was probably, probably of you know Latin descent. Yeah, and so and I never think about there's a grandma out there that makes great enchiladas. Yummy and homemade enchiladas you can't beat it. Another one is homemade spaghetti, and that could be any grandmother. But if there's an Italian grandmother out there making that Italian sauce, or as they call it, gravy uh-huh. for the spaghetti noodles, absolutely, I would love to have some of that. Oh, I just thought of something else. Uh, and then another one that was on here was Ponset. And we didn't talk any, at all about, you know, the Asian foods. Oh, all those. All Filipino. Those, yeah, all those countries had grandmothers, too. Can you imagine, like, the homemade fried rice and uh, Ponset? And I love lumpia. Like, all that stuff is so good. Tortillas was on this as well. Somebody put in tortillas and somebody else mentioned their fried rice. Oh. So I think that, if nothing else, it's a study in the different cultures it is dominated. We are a country station in a southern city. Mm-hmm. So our list on our Facebook page is dominated by these old school country recipes, tomato gravy, right. ribs and rice, but, things like that. But there are, it's fun to see some different cultural, re- cultural uh, meals. So- Eden, years ago, I had this idea, and I don't think I don't think it's I don't think it would ever work because I think it would cost too much money. I had this idea for a restaurant. It's called Mama's Kitchen. So you walk into this restaurant, and there's like uh, there's like almost like uh, like cubicles on either side as you walk down this hall. Each cubicle is a long table that can seat up to twelve. At the head of the table is basically a little kitchen that you'd have different ethnic mothers there. <laughs> you would have like a Filipino. A southern, a southern, you know, Mama Dea Mama style. style. Like all these different, you have an Italian and then you could make reservations. You got to have at least six people, but up to 12. And, and these women would be like retired, whatever. And you just hire these women to come in. They can kind of work almost on a voluntary basis. They get paid, but they'll make their own schedule. And you just come in and be like, Hey, what do I want to eat tonight? Do I want Italian? Do I want, you know, do I want Chinese? Do I want Mama Dea's to cook dinner for me? Do you, what do you think about that as a, as a business model? I think they have something model? similar to that called a food court. But you don't have mom. You don't have mom cooking it. Might it might be someone's mom. But I, lo- I, do, I do appreciate you always coming up with ideas, which brings us to our final thing we want to talk about, which is something that you've been putting off and putting off for up to 10 years. Mm-hmm. It's a podcast idea that you have at actually launched finally oh my gosh so if you're listening to this podcast we invite you to also listen to the new playground florida podcast tell everybody what they will hear on playground florida so the idea was i I ended up uh, accidentally in virginia for a year and uh i just all i could think about was getting back home to florida like i was heartbroken that i had to move out of my home state and uh, there was this movie that I saw, and they were going back to this. These people were going back to their hometown. It was up. In, they were up in a mountain, looking down in a valley. And there, and as they looked down at their old town, they said, "There it is, our old playground." And I thought, "Oh, I want to get back to my playground, Florida." And then I thought, "Oh, that's a cool name for something." And then the podcasts got hot, and I thought that'd be a cool name. So I basically just want to spend time exploring our state and learning about these places to go that are not Disney, although I love Disney. And they're not universal, although I love universal, but I want to get off the interstates 
and drive on the little back roads and find cool little restaurants or places to kayak or whatever and just really explore Florida. And so that's the idea behind behind Playground Florida. And it's taken me 10 years to finally get off my butt and do it. And I'm really, I'm really super excited. I hope I don't become that guy that just, you know, it's all he ever talks about anymore. But I'm really excited right now, like at this point in my life. Well, everybody, if you would, uh, after you listen to this and leave us the stars and the reviews and share and like and all that kind of stuff, head over to wherever you get your podcasts, Playground Florida. There's a Facebook page as well. And take a listen to, I think, two episodes at the time you're hearing this will have been out by then. But be warned, it's not good yet. I think I disagree. Agree to disagree. (laughs) In the first episode, you learn about a former movie star turned park hippopotamus. And I'm obsessed with it. Lou, do you know what Lou the hippopotamus is short for? No. Lucifer. Oh, I, I thought Lou was a was a female hippo. Lucifer, the hippo. No. Wow. Okay. No, I, I didn't did even research. know that. I was moved to do research after hearing the first episode. Okay. All right, everybody. Have a great one, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye.